on 98FM and online. This is Phoenix FM. Yes, welcome back to another edition of the Happiness Algorithm. It's me, James Roast. We're going to be talking all things mental health, all things emotional well-being, and what we can do to make us that little bit happier. Um, I'm going to be joined by an amazing guest today, uh, and we will be talking all things mental health, emotional well-being, and what we can do to make us that little bit happier, particularly in this difficult period that we all find ourselves in we're still in lockdown and, and announced today we're going to be in lockdown for another three weeks um the show's still packed with uh, everything that we're used to so there's going to be some good music as i say a great guest and i'll be sharing in a moment what i've been reading this week but uh hopefully you're all settled down you've got yourself a cup of tea and you're all relaxed ready to listen to show 16 or show 17 i think we're at now um anyway so let, let's kick things off and look at what i've been reading this week um and in line with my guest who i'll be introducing shortly um i've been reading all things around authenticity so what is it you know what is it to be authentic what does it mean to be authentic now I came up I came across this uh, fantastic fantastic article I'll get my teeth in um, by a lady named Brené Brown now this article was written in 2014 but what's fascinating that it's still relevant now, if not more so now than it was uh, uh, seven years ago, six or seven years ago. So in the article, Brené discusses how we're, 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 we've got to the point where we're tired of fakery and photoshopped perfection, um, of, of trying to live up to these impossible ideals of beauty and fabricated happiness. Um, and she believes that most of us would take messy and real over flawless and inauthentic uh, every time she says to be authentic we must cultivate the courage to be imperfect uh, the, the the courage to accept our vulnerabilities we have to believe that we are fundamentally worthy of love and accept, acceptance just as we are that there is no better way to invite more grace gratitude and joy into our lives than by mindfully practicing authenticity even when it's hard and even when we're wrestling with the shame and fear of not being good enough and especially when the joy is so intense that we're afraid to let ourselves feel it 
It's these moments in life that demand that we show up, that we let go of who we think we're supposed to be and embrace who we really are. Uh, She does go on to say that, you know, trying to be authentic in today's climate is extremely challenging. And uh, because we're always pushed and pulled to try and fit in and please everybody else. Authenticity is not a default behavior, something that we're not particularly used to, because we, as I say, we're shaped and primed to try and fit in. And at times, it can seem easier just to be what others want us to be, whether that means nodding in agreement when our boss says something that we don't actually agree with, or choosing some ridiculously uncomfortable shoes, or having the the best phone out there all of a sudden just to please our friends. Um, there's so many messages telling us how to look and behave, and and you know, as I was reading it, for me, the the question that come to mind is given our current circumstances the fact that we're all in lockdown that we've moved from a position of being quite time poor that we're, there's always something to somewhere something to do and somewhere to be um we're now become really time rich we've got a lot of time on our hands to think um so is it now the perfect time to accept our imperfect self with less distraction and it's all becoming, as I say, uh, a, not, a lot more abundantly rich in time, um, is it an opportunity for us to connect with our authentic self? And if we do, what, do, what would that look like? Now, helping me on this quest of authenticity is my guest today, the the former London Irish Wasp and Saracens rugby player. He's a real estate developer and project manager for Kirsch & Co. But most importantly, a public figure and advocate for our mental wellness. Through lived experience and his journey to date, he's pioneered The Authentic Man, an organisation that is healthily, healthily I might add, obsessed with the mental well-being and the emotional growth of men. A big, a huge happiness algorithm welcome uh, to Andy Kershaw. Andy, how are you doing? Hang fire there. It would help if I activated and turn your microphone on. So again, take two. Andy, a big happiness algorithm welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing great, James. Really good. And uh, I'm delighted to be here. Well, it's a real pleasure to have you on. And I mean, we must disclose, I'm saying take two, I'm going to turn your microphone on. This is actually take three, really, because we have (laughs) attempted to do it once before. Technology did let us down. Um, And just to share with the listeners, Andy uh, has been uh, on the show, Register, he's he's been a guest that's been lined up for me for a number of of weeks now, uh, creeping into months. And and with the fact that COVID-19's come along, it means that we are restricted to be to us broadcasting from afar from a distance so uh, me up near Cambridge Andy down in uh, near Brighton um, but with the power of technology we're still able to see one another and we're still able to hear one another and we're still able to produce a great show absolutely the, the power of technology I think you know especially now everyone's getting to see how you know the technological advances that we've made how, you know life can continue in a, in a in a different way but it can still continue well, it can. And I think on the subject of I'm going to come back to the authentic man in a minute, but on the subject of authenticity, I think what's really what, what, what's been really interesting and I've wrestled with over the last few weeks. And as the listeners know, the, uh, the happiness algorithm has had to take a temporary break uh, while we wrestled with technology and we, we, we all sort of adjusted to these this new climate. Uh, but what's been really interesting is, as Brené Brown says in her, in her article, you know, a lot of the time we find that 
there is a projection of false self. A lot of people go into work and they project forward a false self and perhaps, perhaps uh, are not always as authentic as they can be. What's been lovely for me is when you turn on the news, you turn on the TV, you look at social media and all of the radio broadcasts that are going out, you're seeing everyone's homes. You're seeing everyone in the comfort of their own homes where they can't be anything other than authentic. Um, And for me, it's been a real sort of uh, crazy learning curve because producing the show um, is a labor of love for me in the sense that uh, I'm not technologically I'm not technologically gifted. Um, it is a struggle, but I do love speaking about mental health, emotional well-being, and meeting like-minded people. Uh, but wrestling with all of this and making sure the content is ripe and good enough to go out to listeners has been really difficult. But then I have had to be authentic. I've had to embrace those imperfections that we must all do. Um, and hopefully, this goes out and relates to the listeners. And and to have you on the show uh, today could not be better timing as I say because of the authentic man the organization that that you set up and pioneered um and and what what a time to to discuss it so Andy tell us a bit about the authentic man what it stands for and what it's doing so the authentic man is um basically just to give you context you know I I grew up being raised by my mum and my father left me when I think I was about two uh, and so I grew up without a father um, and, you know, the absent father caused me to have some issues in childhood and uh, and, and obviously into my adult life. And, um, you know, to sort of give you a quick um, sort of brief outline how, how I got here, basically, you know, I found therapy, psychotherapy, and it totally transformed my life. Uh, I'm so thankful for the process that I've been through. And what I've, what I've learned is, is that a lot of people have seen this sort of transformation in my own life. And, 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 and they come to me and they're like saying, you know, Andy, I really think that maybe therapy might be for me, or, you know, I heard that there's, there's, there's different retreats you can go on, or there's like intensive retreats. And there's, you know, lots of self-development work that you can do. And, um, but I don't know where to look. I don't, I don't know what to look for. And, um, and, um, and basically I went, the more that people said this to me, and obviously the, you know, these are all men, the more they said it to me, the more I realized, you know what, that's exactly where I was. So there, there is a, there is a gap there where, where us men need to be able to find the different support systems that are out there uh, and also get a, an authentic view of what they can do for you. Mm. Do you think it's different for men and women in terms of the approach to seeking help? Well, yeah, because, you know, from, 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 from what I can see in my experience, men really are not very good at saying they've got a problem. Uh, and, you know, mm. uh, Bre- Brené Brown, actually, you know, we talk, you talked about Brené Brown is, you know, she, she actually talks about how, you know, women, for example, they, they, they share a lot with each other in their social groups and, and, you know, they share and they talk and they talk about their emotions and they talk about the struggles they have and their imperfections. But us men don't, we, mm. we have Why a mask. Do you think that is? I think it's just our programming and our conditioning that, you know, men are supposed to be tough and strong and, 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 and you know, be that physically, but, but also emotionally, not, you know, a man never shows weakness and, and, and to show weakness in this society, it seems that that is very much linked to, well, you're not a man if you're weak. 
you know and you know we, we grow up and we have all of this media and you know you've you've got all of these these superheroes and uh, and male figures in films and tv series and and it's like the, the strong man always gets the girl or the strong man always is wealthy and and all these things that are sort of dangled in front of us to say that's what a successful man is but you know the man that's that's that struggles and actually goes inside himself and 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 actually is vulnerable and puts his hand up and says, do you know what i'm not perfect and i have got flaws and you know i have got issues and and i have got, had childhood trauma that actually from what i've learned that is actually what being a man is about and that there lies the authenticity that ownership of those vulnerabilities those fragilities that that we all carry absolutely um you know it's 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 it starts in the playground you know it's like you, you know if you fall over in the playground it's like oh get up your sissy or you know boys don't cry and you know all of that kind of language just starts in the playground and you know in the family construct as well it's you know it, it's just carried on it's like you know boys don't cry and you know man up and all these sort of mm, you know mm. stereotypical masculine sort of terms and phrases which which are actually doing damage and the thing is is that the, these people saying it be it a father or a stepfather or or just other males they're only repeating what they've been modeled it's not actually their fault and and so that condition in effect um is is shaping a lot of these young lads from a very early age absolutely and you know we all know that you know when when you know you're a pack and you're a herd you know if you start acting different to the herd you know there's always that fear that you're going to get rejected so we we sort of have that herd mentality where we just carry on and then people you know other males will do it themselves in a group as well and it's just a it just it's a vicious cycle that just continues Mm. And and the the men that have sort of uh, used authentic man that have approached the service service that you've spoken to um, throughout your time, uh, do do you see that there's a an organic change in them? Do you find that there's a resistance initially, and then they begin to sort of own that, or or are they already coming to the authentic man very open and ready to embrace those vulnerabilities? I, I think from what I see, you know for any men that reach out to, to, to us, they're, they're ready, that they, they've had enough. And, and, you know, we, we, we have a great saying that the pain of staying the same must become greater than the fear of change. Mm. And most men are in that place that they're, they're, mm-hmm. they're, they're in so much pain that they can't continue carrying on with the same behavior patterns and, 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 and it's time for change. And, and that's when transformation can happen, when someone is literally ready to say, do you know what? I've had enough. I can't keep living my life like this. I'm living a false self. This is not who I am. I don't even know who I really am. And, and mm. I need some help. And, and that's the, the breakthrough point is when a man says, I need some help. Reaching that point of surrender really sort of embracing that, that, that part. And, and as Brené Brown said, it's, it's the imperfections. I mean, the beauty of being a human being is that we're imperfect creatures. And you're right. I think that a lot of what society does is, is bend and shape us in a way that determines that we have to reach certain levels 
um, across the board on so many different in in so many different areas and on and different platforms as well. And when we look at it from a um, uh, from a male female perspective, you can see there are those personas and and quite right to stress we've got these old archaic sayings and statements that it you know man up you know you you big girl etc. All all of these will will almost condemn the the young lad that's trying to progress and own that spec that full spectrum of emotions you know the the fear the upset the sadness that quite often men uh, are not enabled to show so looking at age-wise then uh the the men that access the authentic man or service organization and, and you've worked with in the past is there a is there an age range? Is there a sort of bandwidth where you see men turning up at being at that point of surrender and say, you know what, I'm ready to change? Or is it quite broad? It's quite broad. Um, it, it's, uh, you know, a, a man can can awaken at any age. Um, and the beauty in having some kind of an awakening and thinking, Do you know what, I've had enough, I can't live like this. The beauty is that it happens at all. it's irrelevant what age because Mm. you know there's so many and it is sad to say there are so many that men out there that just basically go through their life from a to b to c to z and they don't they don't really ever tune into who they really are and find out a bit more about themselves and you know when they're they're on that deathbed it, it must be a very big regret that you didn't live an authentic life true to yourself and that's not conditioned to what your parents wanted you to live or your family, your wider family or or society or work colleagues, that you didn't actually just step off that wheel for a minute and say, do you know what? I'm not sure that that's for me anymore. And and I think that's that's very sad. I think that's really, really sad. I would agree. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I think that I was going to ask you, when we look at, or if we take the phrase authenticity and an individual then becomes authentic, what do you feel that they then invite into their world? What, is, what does it bring them being authentic? Um, well, you know, if I just go on, on my experience, you know, I, I led a life, most of my life was was led as a full self. You know, I had a mask on to fit into the surroundings that I was in. And it was never actually true to who I actually am. So it would be, I would have inauthentic work relationships. I would have inauthentic love relationships. I would have inauthentic relationships with family, actually. And, um, you know, for example, I was always sort of modeled that it was great to be wealthy. It was great to have you know, material wealth, have a flash car, wear a nice watch and wear nice clothes. And then in the end, you get the girl. That's what I was kind of modeled. And 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 that's what I got was actually what I put out there because I was attracting uh, people that are interested in money, not actually interested in me. me. And it's very difficult for me to attract people that are interested in me when I didn't know who me was. So I got to a point where I didn't know how I'd got to where I'd got to. And, you know, and I went through, you know, I became bankrupt. Um, I went through divorce, uh, you you know, a a lot of quite significant traumas. And when I found therapy and I started to talk to someone who wasn't a family member, 
wasn't a, wasn't a friend, was someone I didn't know, it was like an independent person of, of being grounded. But when I started talking about, I was able to map out all of the different parts of my life where I had incidences or made decisions that weren't really to my, you know, didn't do me any favours. I started to understand it and I started to say, oh, I get it. And then, you know, I was able to start talking through with my therapist and say, okay, so I grew up without a dad, which meant that I uh, was just me and my mum, and I kind of repl- I became the man in the house and that became a, a dynamic in itself. And then, you know, I started to understand the conditioning which were related to my behavior patterns. And when I started mm. talking in therapy, for example, very, very openly and very deeply, then all of a sudden I started to attract quite deep relationships, both in friendships and romantically. So what you put out there is what you're getting back. And that was through, yeah, and understanding that narrative, that journey that you'd been on, enabled you to then um, begin to live within your true self, to, to unshackle yourself of, of the full self that you was presenting over those years? Yeah, I, I had to, in a funny way, I had to have like a controlled breakdown. And, 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 mm. and it, it, you know, it was a, a controlled breakdown, you know, emotionally and, and of my life. And I had to unravel parts of my life that I woke up one day and thought, how did I get here? how have I got to where I am today? And I had to unravel that. And that took a lot of time and it was painful. Uh, And, you know, I had all those feelings of shame and embarrassment and anger and sadness and all these feelings that I had to go through were very uncomfortable. But those feelings of discomfort have just brought me nothing but growth. And and I'm so, so thankful that I went to therapy and, and, and that, I still, I'm still in therapy. I have a fantastic therapist. My therapist, Paul, has has been with me now. We've been together for, for eight years, and it's transformed my life, and and just helped me to be able to just be me, and and love myself and be whole. And then, since I have sort of had this wholeness from within, I don't have this fear of rejection like I used to have. Mm. So then I'm less there's less of a chance I'm going to put on a mask just to fit in with a certain crowd because that's just been inauthentic and that just eats you up inside. Yeah. Amen to that. It's really interesting. And, and you know, and one of the reasons I wanted you to come on was your openness and your courage to share in your, in the way you do, because what we see and when we talk about that authenticity and particularly males that are, uh, not able to acknowledge some of those difficult emotions, the shame, the guilt, the fear that, that, that often a lot of males and females live with when we, you know, we're, we're not, we're talking about authenticity across the board. Um, but you know, when we can embrace that, then immediately we no longer fear it. And that true self can begin to emerge. Where was all those, you know, well, there's two parts to this really. The first part is, uh, is it fair to say, Difficult emotions, uh, even with that true self, that authentic self being present, um, difficult emotions don't go away. We still experience difficulties. Would it be fair to say that? Of, of what you mean now? Yeah, yeah. 
Is that part of yeah, life? Yeah, of course. Yeah. It's it's part of life. And 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 you know, for me that's something that's 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 really worked is just to is just to surrender and to acknowledge that, you know, sometimes I do have emotions that come up and and I and I do feel a bit down and I feel a bit crappy and I've or I've been triggered in some sort of situation. And and I I've really got on top of just you know feelings aren't facts Mm. and they just come and they will go Mm. and if you just acknowledge them that they're coming and just learn to sit with them and allow them to pass then you'll I've always found that I get through it where if you try to resist it or battle it or I used to suppress it with alcohol Mm. if I had to feel certain emotions I'd want to drink and you know I, I I I I had a terrible alcohol problem. Well, I was going to ask, you know, so when we talk about, uh, you know, look at those, uh, the period before that enlightenment, um, and a wonderful word you used earlier, that that moment of awakening, um, pre the awakening, where were those emotions going? You you touch on it there. So alcohol, and, and this is, we see this frequently with various coping mechanisms in, in a variety of forms. So, um, was that something that was masking some of those difficult emotions? A hundred percent. So I, I, I've had uh, an alcohol, I had a problem with alcohol from, you know, my sort of teen, teen years really. And, um, you know, I, I obviously grew up in that rugby culture and then went into the sort of playing rugby professionally. And, and, and it is that sort of, it was, there's a, a lot of alcohol involved and it's that very much that sort of laddie culture. And, 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 you know, even outside, you know, work, so playing rugby, for example, you know, I, I had a lot of feelings of, you know, loneliness and, and I used to drink to just to almost for comfort. And, and I used to struggle with anxiety going into new situations to meet new people. So, you know, I'd always find that if I was going to a, a networking event, for example, or I was going to meet new people, I'd have a dr- few drinks before I got there just to sort of calm my nerves and and just to take the anxiety away and you know I spent my adult life using alcohol to suppress all these different types of emotions and 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 it worked and you know I wouldn't have been that typical guy with a brown bag because again that's something that was always pointed out to me growing up that oh you're an alcoholic if uh if you're homeless and you're sitting on the street and you've got a brown bag with a bottle of whiskey in it, that's what I was told mm. or modeled as an alcoholic. But the problem that I found is that what I learned is that when your drinking causes problems in your life, then drinking is a problem. Now that could be once a week, once a month, but if it's causing a problem when you're drinking, then it is a problem. I really like that statement. So say that again, if, if drinking is causing problems in your life, then it's a problem. Yes. Yeah. So if your drinking is causing problems, your drinking is a problem. Mm. Whereas, again, when we go back to that conditioning effect, I think many people probably go back to that metaphorical or or the image of, like you say, the brown paper bag sitting on a bench in a park, um, drinking themselves to oblivion. But that, I think, is a really strong statement to make that, you know, if it's causing problems in your life, then alcohol is a problem. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, I've been sober now for just coming up for three years. And and before Congratulations. I actually, thank you. And um, before I made the decision to to do that, 
I had a period of abstinence for six months. I thought, you know, I'm not going to drink for six months and I'm going to lose some weight. I'm going to do the healthy thing. And uh, it was basically around losing weight and being healthier, you know, sort of vanity, really. Uh, and then after six month period of not drinking, I started drinking again. And very quickly, like within a sort of six to eight week period, I was drinking very heavily again. And then the problems, it was starting to cause problems within my life. Mm. And after about four months, I got to this beautiful place where it was like a, I was able to stand there and look back and go, this is what my life was like for the first time since, since I was probably about 17, I've had no alcohol in my life for six months. And I could see all the ways that my, my relationship went better. My physical, my, my mental health was a lot better. My, my physical appearance was a lot better. And I just could see that it was there. And then I could then very quickly look at how the last four months, all of those things were starting just to crumble away. And I was in this place where I was able to say, what life do I want? Do you want life A or do you want life B? And, and it was an easy decision to make to, to take alcohol out of my life. But at the same time, because giving up that alcohol for me was actually quite easy. I'd also done about four or five years of of intensive psychotherapy mm -hmm. to deal with all those issues that are on my map that I'd been putting together and going back to my childhood, which are all interlinked to our emotions, which are all linked into our addictions. Absolutely. Well, uh, uh, you know, what we can't get away from is the fact that we are all a product of our past. And, um, and I think that is part of that acceptance of self, isn't it? Recognizing that, you know, what we've experienced, what we've been through, uh, both gross or minimal traumas, they're all going to shape the individual we are. We equally are going to be bent and molded and manipulated by society. And so, look, I suppose one of the things that comes to mind is the fact that we are, we're self-preserving organisms. We want to live for as long as possible in as least discomfort. So we're going to move away from anything that provokes any form of pain or suffering be that physical or emotional so if we are not accepting some of the emotions that are stimulated or provoked from the situations we've been through or things that have come up through the past we're going to reach out and find other coping mechanisms that enable us to distance ourselves from it now the interesting part of alcohol and this is me going from a layman's perspective i'm not a drug and alcohol practitioner but certainly anybody that, that comes to the clinic that I'm working with, what I often say is that what alcohol will do will, will manipulate the region of the brain that regulates risk. So if we are to drink it, you know, the, the old Dutch courage, it softens the edges. So if we are particularly stressed or something's causing us discomfort or distress, uh, but having a drink, it distance ourselves from it. And then from, um, uh, from a dopamine perspective, it drives forward those sort of addictive qualities that says wow whatever you just did do more of that but I think what you're what you're stressing and I think what's really important for the listeners to understand is that removing those coping mechanisms becomes easier when we've addressed some of the bits that were haunting us from our past or the the, the calls we we've spoken in the past we've spoken off air as well about living in a symptom driven culture a lot of the time there's a focus on reducing symptoms so if someone has an alcohol problem well let's just stop drinking but actually the alcohol is there and it's doing something it's moving someone away from the pain and discomfort 
if you remove that, you could end up overexposing them by addressing the cause. The bit that's driving forward those symptoms enables us to make much more robust, healthier choices and sustainable in the long run as well. And I think, you know, it's wonderful to hear that you started that journey and were able to make those decisions in accordance with the authenticity and the true self that was starting to emerge for you. Yeah, absolutely. The, you know, to be completely honest, I needed alcohol uh, as a way of self-medicating myself in those early, early days of the therapy, because, you know, a lot of shame came up and a lot of embarrassment and a lot of discomfort. And, you know, there was times I left that therapy room when some light bulbs went on and I started to understand some behavioral patterns that I was like, God, I need a drink because I, 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 again, I was suppressing that emotion or just taking off the edge. And, 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 you know, the more and more I went through therapy and started to understand my conditioning and my patterns and my traumas, the less and less I drank. And then I started to look for, you know, other ways of, of dealing with those emotions like meditation, for example. And it's just a great way to just be still and take away all the distractions that we have in everyday life, be it kids or work or your phone pinging all the time. And, and as I said, it's just about acknowledging those emotions let them come. Oh, there you are. And then let them pass. And I always refer, I always mm. sort of like, like to refer it to, it's like, you know, when you're driving through at night and it's foggy and if you put your headlights on the fog's there, it's right there in front of you, but then all of a sudden it just disappears. And it's just like your emotions. Mm. They just, it's there. And if you just take it slow and just be calm, the fog will pass. And it's very similar to your emotions. Absolutely. And so people don't have to reach out to find that, that, coping mechanism that's going to create that distance immediately the reactive state we can be much more responsive like you say we can we can accept the moment we can acknowledge the emotions and then they will pass absolutely and you know that's a form of self-regulating mm. and 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 and, the, and that's come on. sorry i was going to say that one of the things that quite often comes up and I get asked is that if someone removes the coping mechanism and in one in, in one sense that that um, alcohol what do we put in place and I think it's wonderful to hear that in the form of meditation that has encouraged you to sort of develop that uh, self even further absolutely the meditation for me is um, is great it was groundbreaking for me and you know I've, I've worked with a couple of meditation teachers that have helped me sort of understand the practice and and there's some amazing apps out now as well that um you know you just download and have it on your phone and just put in some earphones and it's just about being still and being present and not thinking about what you're doing tomorrow or what you were doing yesterday it's just about stillness and presence mm. and and it's and just see what comes up and let it come up because for me in beating my alcohol addiction it was the the reaching for the alcohol that was pushing those emotions down but if you learn to regulate them and let them come and let them pass then all of a sudden that need for the that drinks it's gone it's removed mm. Well, that is, um, I mean, that's an amazing, uh, so not, not just advice, but, but to share that, because I think that there's a lot of people that would be able to relate to that. I think that there's almost an 
um, autonomous reaction sometimes with individuals that are using alcohol and other coping mechanisms and being able to sort of lever in a stopgap where they can begin to think differently about what they can do is perfect and to hear it from yourself as well and you say coming from a culture that was very macho male orientated within rugby drink don't talk about emotions and to be able to share the journey in the way you have I think will will really help a lot of people now I think uh it we should hear one of your song choices. We should certainly get one of those song choices in. Uh, so we will take a quick break uh, with one of uh, Andy's song choices. Uh, and when we come back, we can perhaps pick up a little bit more um, of mindfulness, meditation, the importance and the strength and what it can provide. And also um, sort of the different sort of approaches maybe that men can uh, access therapeutically. And it's not a sort of one size fits all. And maybe we'll discuss that a little bit more as well. So uh, stick with us uh, here on the Happiness Algorithm. Um, I'm James Roast. I'm joined with Andy Kershaw. Uh, This is his first song choice. It is The Water Boys.
Phoenix FM. Welcome back to the Happiness Algorithm with me, James Roast. I'm joined by, uh, or my special guest today is Andy Kershaw, and that was his first choice, uh, The Waterboys, The Hole of the Moon. Um, I've got to say, one of my favourite parts of doing this um, is, as the listeners know, I always ask the guests to uh, choose their own music, two to three songs, depending on whether it's in the studio or, or these are uh, pre-recorded shows, but... Um, it's the song choices. I absolutely adore it. I, I have such an eclectic mix um, music taste anyway. Um, and hearing the choices that the guests choose, um, yeah, are just brilliant. So that was your first song choice, Andy. So that was the Water Boys, uh, Hold on the Moon. Uh, tell me a little bit about the reasons why. That song, um, yeah, I remember it growing up listening to, to, to that to that song and it's it's always brought from memories. And, and I reconnected it with, in. it was in the American TV series, uh, The Affair. And mm. uh, I was just totally blown away by by the whole series. And you know, the the the, the series, what it does, it, it follows a few different characters and different relationships, and 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 all their sort of uh, disruptive behaviours. You know, with alcohol and drugs and partying and marrying, you know, the wrong people, if you like, and different sorts of relationships. And then on the last series, where this song's played towards the end of the end of the last episode. It, what it did is it fast forwarded into the future and I got a bit worried and I was thinking, my oh God, it's gone a bit sci-fi. Like, where are they going with this? They've totally ruined it. And then what happened is they then went forward into the future and followed the children of the characters from the previous um, series. Oh, wow. And so they, so they were starting to show the effects of their relationships and their behavior patterns, what they had on their children as they became adults. And it's just a fascinating piece of writing to to really go into sort of multi-generational patterning and how it, it gets passed on. Mm, mm. And we know that there's such a, uh, well, we know that there is such a significant carryover uh, between generations. And like we said before, the conditioning effect. So we adopt parenting styles that is not necessarily in stark contrast to our own parents, but we can determine what worked and what didn't work with us or for us. And then we adapt accordingly as we go forward. Um, yeah, fascinating, absolutely fascinating um, topic and and great song choice as well. And and I suppose on that, uh, one of the questions that came to mind, I meant to ask you earlier, but it, uh, just listening to you talk there just reminded me, um, you, you mentioned that obviously you grew up a single parent. So it was you and your mum, your, your dad left at two years old. Do you think that had um, a significant bearing on your authenticity or that sort of uh, fraudulent imposter syndrome false self uh, and there's a double there's a double part to this question um, do you think it's just individuals that um, come from single parent families that maybe struggle with authenticity or can anybody experience a fragility and a false self I think it can affect absolutely anyone because um, you know it's our influences that that are that are conditioning us, especially when we're young. And, you know, for me, I grew up without a dad. So, so my dad left, which, which meant that there was no male figure in my house to sort of show me the other perspective to, to my mum's perspective, for example. And um, so, you know, it's, you don't have a balance. There's not an alternative. So, 
you know, I ended up actually just bumbling around looking for these positive role models, which, which, you know, I did find a couple and, 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 I, and, but not so many. Um, but it's, you know, part of my therapy journey is I, I was able to actually identify that growing up, being brought up by just my mum just gave me one perspective of the world. And, 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 mm. and, and I, I, what it did also um, happen to me is, is I went against my intuition and I kind of listened to other people, uh, what they thought I should do in certain situations or making certain decisions. And, and I'd go against my gut. Mm. So I've really learned to trust my intuition now. And I go with my gut. Which is, which is wonderful to hear. And I'm, and I'll always be a massive advocate of, um, of intuition. We know there's a wonderful book called the second brain and it talks a lot about, you know, our digestive system. And hence, again, we go back to looking at statements and sayings and butterflies in our tummy and our stomach doing cartwheels, etc. And, and I think sometimes with, oh, and there's another book as well for the listeners to, to get, which is cultivating intuition as well. Um, two, two great books there, because I think, again, we, we've almost been raised in a society to not trust our gut. As you quite rightly say, we get shaped and we listen to others and we get knocked off course. And that, uh, would be fair to say that that also perhaps extinguishes or fails to nurture our true self, our authentic self to come to the fore because we're always in fear, as you as you pointed out earlier before your song, uh, that we don't want to feel that rejection. We're tribal creatures. What underpins our existence is relationship and we don't want to be rejected. And so when we're on that journey of growth, it's crucial that uh, we are uh, attractive to others that we fit in with others as well so um yeah that's that that's that's some good stuff really good stuff so before we went to your first song uh, you touched on meditation mindfulness you found that to be a wonderful tool in managing um emotional discomfort yeah i find that you know we talk about intuition as well you know it's all interlinked and and you know, when when you're in a meditative state and you're meditating, you know, your intuition and, and your, your gut feelings, for example, it, it really starts to come into play and, and you're not looking for signals from other people mm. a lot of the time. Um, and, you know, the intuition and the emotions, it, it's all interlinked. And for me, you know, meditating is, it's just really is just about just being and just being still it's and it's it's such a simple practice but it you know it does take time to sort of cultivate an awareness of of yourself um you know you know what one thing that that gives me great discomfort when i talk about meditation is that i'm planning on doing a 10-day silent retreat which is basically 10 days of no speaking and meditating and that scares the shit out of me because yeah. it just it makes me feel a lot of discomfort inside even just saying it now because i'm gonna have to sit with myself for 10 days mm. and i can't distract myself so like what's gonna come up i'm gonna have to process it and deal with it and let it pass mm. well i mean it's uh, <laughs> i take my hat off to you that is that is one hell of an ask uh 10 days of complete silence and and then you listen i'm laughing i'm not making light of it i've, I've known individuals to go and do similar retreats as well and i i, I have full admiration for them um because it's quite rightly um 
you know, I remember working with a patient once and, you know, my own sort of clinical philosophy that I follow myself is, is, is all about self and all about looking inwards. And I remember explaining to this, this young chap once about that sort of core self philosophy and him saying to me, I said, we have to go in. He said, I'm not going in there. It's too scary. And, um, and, and I think this is the bit that we often see is challenging for individuals because for such a long period of time they have pushed away pushed away pushed away um you know hidden it in the darkest recesses of their brain and when there is a period of quiet then the brain is going to push that stuff forward when the brain thinks oh we've got nothing going on at the minute it's going to present it forward and say oh you've got five minutes let's just work through that and i think that you know as at the top of the show as i opened up and said is is now actually a good time to do it because we have we have all become quite time rich. Is it a good opportunity to now explore self, to reflect upon self? Um, I'm certainly not. Well, I mean, you tell me uh, more so. Uh, perhaps ten day retreat for the individual that's embarking on discovery of self is maybe not the best place to start. Maybe go through the start the psychotherapy route first, or what? What would you say? Throw him in the deep end. Ten day retreat in the black forest. Oh, I don't know about that. I um, look. I, I think you know, and part of part of my passion for 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 the authentic man is, is there is so many amazing um, support systems and 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 retreats out there. And, and you know, the the beauty about doing a retreat, for example, is it, it is a bit of a an awakening. It is a bit of a spiritual awakening, it, 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 particularly for men that can sit in circle and share you know share problems that they've had their whole life. That some men share things that they've never shared with anyone else. And they could be in their 50s or 60s and you just see the, the weight lifted off their shoulders. And then all of a sudden, another man in the circle went, yeah, I've got that problem as well. I've had exactly the same thing. And then all of a sudden, men wow. think, oh, I'm not alone and, and I'm not alone. And what you see is that that vulnerability, when a man is vulnerable and says, I've dealt with this my whole life. I've not told anyone and I, I struggle with, with this issue. And when you see a man be vulnerable, you just see the instant connection. And vulnerability is the key to human connection, I believe. Mm. Uh, and it, and it's that is just mind blowing. And and you know you go on a retreat and you 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 have a bit of an awakening and you you start to look for answers. And then that can I find very much is like a stepping stone to go into therapy. You want to delve a bit deeper because therapy, I believe, is well for me it's taken time, but I I believe it's a lifelong journey. Mm. Just to have that person that's not your parents not in your friendship group, not, no one at work. It's just someone who is independent and is going to hear you. Mm. And you say that you're, you've worked with Paul now uh, for the best part of eight years. Yep. We've, um, we've been doing therapy for uh, what well, it was once a week for quite some time, probably about six years. And then, and then we're sort of down to every fortnight now. And um, the, you know, the, the journey I've been on as a therapy has totally transformed my life. And there was things in that therapy that we would we would talk about, and I'd be like, "I that feels uncomfortable," and I would, I'd push it away. I, I would like, "I'm not doing that," and he'd just let it go. And then you know, maybe six months, a year later, it would come back up, and I still wouldn't be ready. But later on, I would be ready to then go there. Like for example, we talked a lot about meeting my father, mm. and straight away I was like I don't need to meet him because 
my mother's told me all about him and she has painted a picture that I've got no reason to meet him. Uh, and when I slow that, this took years to unravel. This was like the longest sort of underlying issue that we discussed that I kept pushing it away. So no, no, I'm fine. I'm doing really good. And then eventually, you know, not very long ago, I met my dad. Wow. After 40 years. And how was that for you? Um, it was surreal. But it wasn't the sort of fairy tale that I was looking for or I wanted or the little because the little boy just wanted to be hugged by his dad mm. and just say, son, I love you. Mm. And I didn't get that. And that's OK. But what I was, the beauty and the gift that I was able to see from that meeting is I was able to see him from where he's at. And I was able to understand his journey and his story from 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 his view. So it's like it's not my mum's view of what happened. It's his view. Mm. And I was able to understand him and also piece together his family tree of of trauma, actually. And I was able to then have empathy and understand how he's got to where he's got to. Yeah. And I suppose that point when you did finally meet because of the work that you'd done, you was able to approach the situation in a completely different, fresh mindset, as opposed to you, you mentioned it there. It wasn't the child in you expecting. There was a there was an adult in you that was embracing the moment. You talk about mindfulness, being in the moment. You was able to be in that moment with your dad. Would that be fair to say? It would be fair to say, yes, but... Of course, the, the 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 little boy in me, my inner child, just mm. wanted to be loved by his dad that that left, that rejected him for whatever mm. reasons when he was so young, and, and that's always there. Like with the father wound, the absent father wounds, mm. it's always there. It's I've had to learn how to manage it, not not push it away. I acknowledge it. Oh, here it is. That I'm not good enough. Feelings coming up. Okay, here you are, and just acknowledge it and let it pass instead of instead of pushing it away because again that just leads to addictions, but. Now, I guess I was, because of the therapy, I was able to meet him in a place of being quite grounded and also understand that it's not just about me, it's about him mm. and understanding him and, and also meeting, meeting him where he is at and not meeting him where I want him to be. Yeah, yeah. And we're always going to have those, we're always going to, as you say, there's always going to be that child, isn't there? There's always going to be that child, the vulnerable part of self that wants, uh, that, that dreams, that feels the pain, that feels the fragility, that feels the vulnerability as well. But having your, your true self, your adult self present there to, to support that, to accept those emotions, to accommodate those emotions meant that it almost sounds as you're talking about it was a very balanced affair emotionally psychologically it was it was it was there yeah it it was there um you know it was a very surreal conversation and you know I remember sitting on the train I met him in London uh, he lives in London and I, I got on the train back down to the south coast and I was a bit I guess dazed um and I remember sitting on the train, it was packed. I remember sitting on that train and 
and I just remember just seeing my reflection in the in the sort of glass panel where people put their luggage and I was sort of sitting on the floor and as we went through the tunnel you know that the the illumination of the lights it just showed my face my reflection and I just remember looking at my face and go thinking god I look angry really yeah what, and I what just an thought, amazing observation and I just thought god I look angry I didn't feel it but my face was just tense and scrunched up and then it went back into the sunlight again so it disappeared and I just straight away went okay so I'm angry where's that why am I suppressing that why am I not letting that come out and I sat on that train it's, and it's an hour from London to the south coast and I started to realize that you know what my, my childhood wound has obviously been rejected mm. you know been rejected and and by my father and you know there was an aspect in that meeting where he was rejecting me again mm. so that hurt and that pain is still there and, and, and it and it doesn't go away, but I can regulate. I've learned to regulate my emotion so that I'm able to say, OK, well, you know, he's not in a great place himself. And I have empathy for his journey. I have empathy for his story. And, you know, he you know, he may not may not have taken responsibility for for me. Um, and and. But that's OK. And that's just acceptance, because if I say that's not OK in my in my internal chitter chatter, then I'm just going to be continuing to walk around as an angry man. Mm. And there's something around the acceptance of it not defining who you are. It's you making the choice of who you are and who you want to be. Growing up without a father for me now and the perspective that I have on things is that I've been given an unbelievable gift because what it's allowed me to do is actually after I've had a, a spiritual awakening or whatever you want to call it and I've gone on that therapy journey and I've done retreats and self-development work is you know I didn't have that that dad to teach me how to shave I didn't have that dad to teach me about girls I didn't have that dad to teach me about drinking I didn't have that dad to teach me about all these things in life that that you kind of need as a young boy a young man to be taught and the gift in that is that I go out and I I, I get this from you know I get this knowledge from all these different wonderful sources that allow me to be who I want to be and more importantly allows me to be the father that I want to be and to break that cycle mm. as best I can if that makes sense yeah absolutely well and I think probably it's nice it's probably apt good timing to go into your second song choice then um <laughs> so stick with us uh, and when we come back we'll be uh, we'll be talking about uh, sort of where you're at now what the future looks like and uh and and also really you know what that therapeutic journey has given you and how it has as you quite rightly say sort of that that spiritual awakening and that enlightenment that it's brought to you uh so stick with us this is a happiness algorithm with me james roast i'm joined by my special guest andy kershaw this is his second choice and this is cold play and daddy Thank you. 
Welcome back to the Happiness Algorithm for the last part of the show. Uh, it's me, James Roast. I'm uh, joined. My special guest is Andy Kershaw. Uh, we're talking all things authenticity. Um, Andy is the pioneer of the authentic man. That was his second song choice, Daddy by Coldplay. And what a song that was. Uh, I shared with Andy uh, off air that, you know what, I, as I said to you on the previous song, um, I love the guest song choices. And that was a song I hadn't actually heard, heard before. Um, but what a song that is. It's incredible. My uh, my fiance Alice, she she sent it to me. I was actually away at the time, and um, she just said, "You've got to watch this." She sent me the YouTube sort of clip, and it was the uh, the video to it. It's an animation of a of a little girl in a boat, and uh, I, I I don't think I've cried that hard for. Mm. Uh, I don't think I've ever cried that hard. It just brought up so much emotion for me, obviously relating to my story and my absent father, but also. You know, I, I am also absent to my daughter um, in uh, from my previous relationship, my previous marriage. And, you know, I'm, I'm doing the best I can to be present as much as the situation um, allows. And, um, yeah, it just brings up a lot of emotions for me. Yeah, so, so, so potent, the word, so, so potent. Um, and, and, and again, I, I just appreciate and admire your honesty in sharing uh, what you've shared so far, Andy. Um, you know, look, there, there's, I, I've said this and I'll, I'll say it again. I think that there's a lot of people that will relate to what you've said so far. And really, I wanted to ask how difficult, and this is a big question. I don't mean it to sound as broad as it is, but, but how difficult has that journey been, that therapeutic journey, that authenticity, that growth of self, allowing that true self to emerge into the sunshine on that train that day and see yourself? Um, the journey has been interesting and with it has come a lot of discomfort. And as I said before, you know, those, those feelings of embarrassment and shame and, and guilt and, 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 you know, dealing with a rejection, it, it's all there and it's been very, very uncomfortable. But I've had to go through that discomfort in order for me to grow as a man and order to me as to grow as a human being. And, I'm so thankful to have gone through it and I still go through it. Mm. I still go through it. I still go through it in my therapy and, and it's just that constant discomfort. But in a nutshell, if I feel that something's going to be uncomfortable, that generally means I've got to do it. Okay. So if I, if I go towards it, I know I'm going to feel discomfort. You know, it's like, even when I remember when I was a rugby player and, you know, we used to do fitness sessions and, or, or, or sessions in the gym and they would be very, very uncomfortable physically and mentally, but the, you'd go through that pain and that discomfort, but comes from that will be growth. You become fitter, you become stronger. And it's the same with the same with the mind. Do you think we all have the ability to do that? Yes, I do. I believe that with the right support, the right love, then I think anyone can transform their lives and anyone can change. I believe that anyone can change. I was going to, that was going to be one of my questions actually about those that want to embark on an expedition of discovery of authenticity. And I love, I love the phrase you used earlier, which was the controlled breakdown. I've not actually heard that before. I've heard some wonderful phrases. One of them that I often that I've adopted is it's not a breakdown, but a breakthrough. But I love the idea of a controlled breakdown. And that comes from the support 
that that you know both as you said their loved ones and also therapeutically Paul the psychotherapist has, has given you and I, and I suppose from the groups as well the mindfulness groups absolutely you know for example you know like men's circles you know that men, men have sat, sat in circles for thousands of years as tribes and you know there are men's circles out there now that you know men just come together from all different backgrounds and walks of life and they just sit in circle and everyone is equal and there is no judgment and you just share and just speaking your truth and sharing what's going on for you is actually freedom because you're not keeping it inside and it's not destroying you from the inside out you're not becoming this volcano that's going to erupt at work or at home or you know in traffic it's it's just letting it out and speaking and sharing because therapeutic in itself because that's where it will come isn't it i think a lot of people you see um uh it leak out in other ways so if we're not if we've not got a good healthy relationship with these um what we consider to be more negative emotions but they're certainly not they're just emotions so whether it be anger shame guilt they are emotions but they do provoke a different response within us and if we're not addressing those or accepting them accepting them we can sometimes see like you say they can leak out so in the car bit of road rage we're shouting at people that really for no reason and but being able to share that with others with like-minded individuals that are on that journey there lies the strength yeah and you know for example you a lot of men or, or a lot of, it doesn't man or woman will feel that Oh, I can feel myself getting angry. I don't want to feel like that. I need to suppress it. I need to push it away. But if you learn to cultivate that that emotion and that feeling, you know, anger is a is a is a great way to actually get things done in your life. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're, mm-hmm. oh, you're angry at a situation, well, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go to the gym and and or I'm gonna, you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna clean this part of the house or I'm just gonna get things done instead of you know letting it come out in other ways. Mm. I, I I couldn't agree more. I, I think anger is such an underrated um, emotion. I think it has such a bad reputation in our culture. But if we can embrace anger in a way that is 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 right and fair and beneficial, it can really nurture us. And anger is such an energetic and doing emotion um, that, you know, at times often I find myself speaking with patients and saying, look, the anger is there. It's providing protection or it's a pushing or it's a doing emotion let's have a look what's underneath we can peel that layer of anger back what's sitting underneath that and sometimes we can see that it is vulnerability fragility um fear and when we can start to accept some of those emotions there's that there's that full spectrum of emotions that full self that we're embracing um so the the those that are embarking on on a on a passage of self-discovery or those that want to be more authentic they want to unleash their true self do you think that we can do it on our own or do you think that it is important to have a psychotherapist or a counselor or psychiatrist or can we do it through a men's group you touched on earlier the authentic man so the organization um signpost people it provides a plethora of of different approaches can it be done by self-help books or do we need to to find the support of others well first and foremost it starts with self and it starts with self by taking a hundred percent responsibility for yourself and your life and where you are the good and the bad yeah and and you know once you're in that place where you take responsibility for yourself 
you can then say, okay, this pain, I, I want to, I want to change the way I am. I want to change my behavioral patterns. So I'm going to find different avenues. And, and that's what the beauty is that, you know, we're, 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 we're planning on building a website where, you know, men can come on the website and they can say, okay, so uh, what, what is there that's out for me? And then there'll, there'll be a list of the different retreats and the different types, you know, yoga retreats, meditation, you know, men's retreats, men's circles, intensive family uh, dynamic retreats and all these different sort of little journeys you can go on but also therapy because you know when you go and sort of google therapy and psychotherapists there's so many different types of therapies out there that you just you don't know what you're actually looking for because you know I find a lot of therapist websites are they're all quite similar there's like a picture of a field or some flowers and and it's it's a bit like Mm, that's not really going to sort of like pull someone in. And I just think it needs to be a bit more, it just needs to explain things a bit simpler about all the different psychological um, effects that, you know, childhood traumas and, and our conditioning have on us. Mm. And, and and that's kind of where we're trying to go with it. And I think that that debunking of, of the, you know, and, and being part of that industry, I, I, you know, I'm smirking to myself as you're saying it because it is true. Or as you're saying it, I'm pulling down, I'm logging on my website and pulling down the flowers and the fields as we speak. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, no, but it, and I, I think if we look at the, the, the sort of clear distinction between the male and the female brain, we know that the male brain is very black and white. It's very hardwired to problem solve and fix and you know, and that, that can come at a cost sometimes. And as you alluded to earlier and touched on the female brain, Brené Brown talks about it, that it's much more multifaceted and they talk and they share. I think what the authentic man is doing, sort of simplifying that process or not, 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 not putting it into, um, uh, you know, uh, not, not oversimplifying it, but putting it in terms or actually from a male's perspective, it says, you know what, actually that makes sense. That appeals to me let me go in that direction and give it a go. Absolutely. And, you know, we're, we're in an age now that we've just come into where it's, it's now, it's now very positive uh, to talk about our mental health uh, and more so for men. And it's fantastic. You know, you look at what Anton Decker doing about, you know, let's get talking. It, it's fantastic mm. that, you know, all these sports personalities and TV personalities and musicians and people in the public eye that are like now speaking about their own mental health and encouraging other people to speak about their mental health. But what happens after that? You know, where do I go after I've said, you know what, I turn to the person next to me on the sofa or I say something to a friend at work or down the pub and talk about my mental health. That's amazing. But what are the next steps? And that's where you know, we're going with the authentic man, you know, these are the next steps. There's a wide, wide range of variety of different options. And these are the sort of things that you can expect by, by going down them. And, and it's just a signposting mm. and, 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 and I, I needed it. And I, so many men that come to me are asking me, what sort of retreat should I do? What sort of therapist do I need? And I thought, you know what, let's just put that information out there and, and, and just allow men to come and, and see for themselves and, 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 and make their own, you know, trust their intuition, mm. really trust their gut and go, do you know what, this, I'm drawn to this or I'm not drawn to that, but I'm drawn to this. So I'm going to go and try this out. Yeah. And also the, the, the story that you tell is, um, is so powerful and strong as well, because it's saying that this is not a broken fix model. We're not broken, you know, it's society that's broken if you like. So, 
you know, we, we, it's an ongoing journey. It's an ongoing process uh, that, that, you know, that, that we're working on that, you know, we're not just dipping in and doing six or seven sessions or something and everything's going to be okay. That this is something that we embark on. That it's an ongoing relationship, therapeutic relationship that we have, whether it be uh, with, through meditation, <clears throat> through mindfulness, through working with an individual as well. And I think that's, that's lovely to hear both through your journey and what the authentic man stands for. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, my, my fiance, Alice, you know, when we met, I, you know, I really was in the gutter. I, you know, I, I couldn't have been any worse. And, you know, I was partying hard. I was drinking heavily. I was, I was getting divorced. You know, I, I was in a really bad place. Um, and, you know, I, I was vulnerable and, and, and we connected and, and we had the, like the most incredible deep conversations for hours and hours into the early hours of the morning just talking about life and and issues and you know the love that I received from her and and then also that the work I've done with Paul in therapy it's just got me back on my feet and 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 got me to where I am and it's funny because you you kind of you know showing myself in a relationship in the early days is not in not a good light you know things are different now because I've done done quite a bit of work on myself but it's funny because when you're in a relationship that when someone feels safe they then can be vulnerable mm. yeah because yeah you know like alice doesn't mind me saying this it's like we, we you know we're, we're we were in a place in our relationship where she started she had started showing her darker side to, to her issues and and to things that have happened to her and that's the beauty of a, of a relationship i think is that we end up in this place where we're leaning on each other mm. and it's okay. We got this. Yeah. And that, that, that shows real depth, doesn't it? Like you say, both individuals within that relationship, carrying that authentic self, uh, being able to embrace the true self and see all of the flaws and vulnerabilities and the imperfections that we're blessed and cursed with and sharing that with another and somebody else being able to hold that and vice versa is a magical, magical thing. But we must, and I suppose to stress that point and everything we've spoken about today is that the work has to start with self, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah absolutely. It's, um, you know, if I hadn't walked into that therapy room by taking responsibility for myself, then God knows where, where I'd be, you know, I could be dead. Mm. And it all started by taking responsibility and I have to say you know before I went into that therapy room you know I had a couple of pints because I was mm. I was very very nervous um and if I hadn't taken responsibility then you know I was definitely on a downward spiral that would have not ended well no and so well done you and you know and, and it's a privilege for me to have you on the show and to be able to for you well, to, to, to be part and here in that journey, because I think that you are, um, you are a role model, you're, you're an advocate. And I think that you're someone that, that is so relatable to so many people out there. Um, and I think this will, this will help a lot of people because I think your, your, your narrative, as I say, your journey is so similar to many others, not, not the specifics necessarily, but that vulnerability, that fear, that conditioning of what society is, that does to a lot of people. And I think if anyone listening to this, um, it does relate if they can reach out, um, and, and seek the help, uh, that they deserve to get, then they can be 
um, living a much richer existence. So the authentic man, um, if people do want to reach out and get in touch, how would they go about doing that? The best way to find us at the moment is uh, via Instagram, actually. And, um, you know, if you just search the authentic man, um, you can find me on there as well. And, uh, you know, just just send us a, a DM through, through Instagram. We, we have got a website, a holding page and a website that's in the making. But we've obviously been in lockdown where uh, that's been sort of delayed a little mm. bit. Um, but yeah, just 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 Instagram is a, is a great way to find us at the moment. And, um, you know, we're just we're just here to help. Perfect. And what does the future hold for the authentic man? What's planned? Well, the authentic man. So it's it's run by basically myself and, and Alice, my partner, who's who is uh, taking time off having uh, babies uh, from her studies to be a psychotherapist herself. And um you know, we, we are going to build our website and we have got planned uh, on October the 1st this year. But obviously with what's going on, we're unsure what's going to happen. But it is in the diary to have a men's conference in London at Foyle's Bookstore on Charing Cross Road. And it, it's going to be a gathering of, you know, 100, 120 men. And we're going to have speakers from different types of retreats, different types of therapists uh, and just just a, a day of 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 knowledge and day of different avenues and answers of, of places that men can go and find some help and support and, and be vulnerable. Sounds brilliant. Well, I'll certainly be uh, following it um, to, to hopefully, fingers crossed, well, depends on, as you say, depends where we are, um, but hopefully, fingers crossed, that goes ahead in, in, in October. Um, and what, what an opportunity for, for any men that maybe if they're, they're building up the confidence and courage. That might be a good event to go to and, and hear some of the speakers and connect with other like-minded individuals. Um, and it's been an, well, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. It really has. Um, I can't thank you enough uh, with, with, you know, your, your story is one that, as I say, I think a lot of people will, will connect with. Um, I think the work that you're doing with the authentic man is, is something that, that will reach so many individuals um, and provide such a good service like we said before it will break through all of the all of the fluff really that that perhaps puts a lot of individuals off so um uh so good 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 on you good on you uh i'll be as i say i'll be following you on uh we'll keep in touch and I'll, I'll be following you on uh on all the social media channels as well um thank you all for listening um the happiness algorithm will be back next week with uh, more guests more great song choices uh, more about what i've been reading this week uh look after yourselves uh, be safe people uh, and uh, i will speak to you all next week Daisies swaying, free in the breeze, the birds in the trees are singing along with me. I'm just looking for happy. Sunrise lights my smiley face clock, sliding in my socks out for my first cup of tea I'm just looking for happy
Say that was a pretty successful broadcast. Phoenix FM.